Welcome to Legal Management Talk, the official podcast of the Association of Legal Administrators. I'm your host, Kate Raftery. For this episode, we have Aton Mark, co-founder of the Miami law firm of Mark, Midgall, and Hayden, to talk about building strength and resilience in the midst of a bad situation. It's not exactly finding a silver lining on the cloud of the COVID-19 pandemic, but it may be as close as we can get in the business world. Welcome. It's great to have you on the show. Hi. Uh, good morning, Kate. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work? Sure. I uh, am a commercial litigator. I started this law firm, Mark McDillon Hayden, about four years ago. I uh, started my practice in New York, at one of the big New York law firms. I did that for a couple of years, met my wife. She's from South Florida. She suggested gently that we relocate to, to Miami, and I, it was hard for me to argue with her. We did that. I moved down to Miami, clerked for a federal judge in Miami for a year, and then um, shortly thereafter started at a regional law firm, was there for nine years before starting um, my current firm uh, a few years ago. As someone who lives in Chicago, which is a similar climate to New York, I can definitely understand that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Winters in Chicago are not super fun. I went to Michigan for undergrad, so I'm well aware of, of what that feels like. Yeah, I only had a snow snow drift as tall as me this this past winter. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to set a baseline, can you describe how your firm functioned before the pandemic? As, as you just mentioned, it's a pretty new firm. Yeah, it's a new firm. Um, I wouldn't say that we're a very traditional firm, but I think that we were bound by some of the some of the preconceptions that a lot of our other law firms were uh, pre pre COVID, which was that working from home is hard, if not sometimes impossible. So people came to the office every day. We expected folks to be collaborating in person, physically, um, lots of conference room use, lots of client meetings in the office. And obviously, all of our court hearings and proceedings, depositions were all done in person. So I think that in that way, uh, we were a fairly traditional traditional law firm. Although we've always offered some flexibility for people, I, I think that, that we were fairly traditional in that respect. Obviously, since COVID, that's changed. Presumably in March, which is about the time everyone did this, you probably went fully or partially remote and so did probably your clients and even the court system. So how, how did that transition go for you? Yeah, I mean, so so it's sort of, I remember the last thing I did where there was a lot of people around was my daughter at the time was 11, wanted to go see the Billie Eilish concert. So we went to the Billie Eilish concert in American Airlines Arena and it was packed. And this was in probably the first 10 days in March, uh, maybe first 15 days in March. And people were, some people were wearing masks and I was looking around and said, that's kind of weird and a little bit concerning. But sure enough, a few days after that, the notification from the courts came that everything shut down. And there was a two week period where it was, I mean, things were just canceled. I mean, people didn't know what the heck was going on. Hearings were canceled, depositions were canceled. And it was, I'm sure everybody, I think, had this sort of experience where you go outside and the streets are empty. Absolutely. Um, it, it was the first time in my life where I felt comfortable riding a bike in, in Miami. because so, so that was the immediate experience. And, and, and from sort of an a executive standpoint, or for, as the leader, as one of the leaders of, of my business here, we didn't really know what to do. Uh, we obviously still had clients that we needed to service. We still were as responsive as we could be. I think that there was a moment of incredible understanding 
across the legal community that coalesced in a really positive way around that time where people were all trying to get their sea legs. But pretty quickly, uh, as it is in our industry, people um, were forced to pivot. And I, and I think they did a pretty good job of pivoting. We were completely remote for, you know, I, I guess, uh, let's see, I mean, golly, almost, I guess, a year um, or so. And I like to think that we didn't really miss a beat. I think that that narrative is a little bit Pollyanna-ish. I think that mm-hmm. all businesses missed something of a beat. Uh, I do think that there's some benefits to 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 the flexibility that we learned during COVID, but I certainly can see some of the drawbacks as well. Yeah, I would say I think some of our members know that ALA already had a hybrid workplace in, in place before the pandemic, so we transitioned to fully remote. And for the most part, we are still fully remote. But I, yeah, I, I couldn't even say that it was perfect for us either, even having the experience. Yeah. And, you know, lawyers in particular are so bad at change and, <laughs> and, and, and there's some good reasons for it and there's some bad reasons for it, but, but lawyers are not great with change. And a lot of these uh, law firms, especially some of the bigger law firms where you've got a little bit of an older school of thought in the management side, the concept of remote was such a hard thing for people to get their heads around because there was this implication that, if you were remote, there was just no way you could be as productive. And I think the last year has proven that to not be the case from a productivity standpoint, at least. And, and, I, and I suspect that at least going forward, there's going to be a lot more willingness to embrace flex, flex options for, for attorneys and, and staff as there should be. To focus a little bit on um, what we talked about a little bit before this interview, you mentioned that in particular, um, the transition to, to virtual court proceedings was good for your firm. So how, how were you able to turn that particular segment of the pandemic, you know, experience into a net benefit? Um, court, uh, as a lot of legal administrators know, there's really two kinds of, of court hearings. There's very long, very substantive court hearings, and there's very short kind of check the box sort of court hearings. And the ROI for a client on those shorter hearings is pretty skewed when you have to when you have to pay a lawyer to travel to court, sit in a courtroom with a hundred other lawyers, wait for 90 minutes, two hours, could be until their case is called, get up in front of the judge, speak for 12 seconds, get back in your car, go back to the office, and get to work. That's a three-hour billing experience for a client for minimal value, in my view. And I think one of the exciting things that has occurred as a result of the, the remote issues has been all of those hearings now are, are on Zoom. So you've cut out the commute. And frankly, you've cut out a lot of the waiting because the judges have been able to figure out how to segment the hearings in a certain way. And it's a lot easier for me to do work when I'm on a Zoom and there's all these other lawyers talking that I can ignore while I can sit here and, and check my email and respond to, to other things and, and, and read cases than it is to do in a courtroom. So instead of now the client getting a, three hour, a bill for three hours of work, the client's getting a bill for five minutes of work. And I think that is, that is a material benefit to the client for sure. There's a cost, you know, there's a cost to, to our industry. Um, I don't love the fact that I haven't been inside of a courtroom for over a year. 
I miss seeing a lot of my colleagues in person. Some of my colleagues I'm happy to never see again in person. There is certainly something to the in-person experience that is lost. And I think the same holds true in an office setting. I mean, I think that I, I certainly don't want to suggest that everything has been better because of the switch to remote. I do think that, especially on the administrative side, I think that collaboration is incredibly important. I think that in-person communication is incredibly important. And I don't know that I would ever love the idea of somebody being fully remote all the time, regardless of the collaboration tools that you put in place, regardless of how good you are using Microsoft Teams. I, I still think that there is something to be said about sitting in the office across the hall from somebody or sitting in a bullpen with somebody and just learning by osmosis. Because at the end of the day, when I get up and I go to the kitchen in my office to get a, a glass of water and there's somebody there, I'm going to have an interaction that otherwise I would not have. And those are the things that help to build teams. As I mentioned earlier, I'm from the the, when we were talking before, I'm from the DC metro area. So uh, most people, as you might know, who practice there are admitted to the DC bar and the Maryland bar and the Virginia bar. So you could be driving for two hours to get to a single court. Um, yeah. But so the, the client obviously sees the immediate benefit of, of only paying for what they're actually getting versus all the things that surrounds it. And possibly from, from you being able to provide more attention to them. Like now you have a little bit more time now you know your your clients know exactly what they're paying for. For the long term, does that help you develop a better client relationship? Does that help you get more clients? Does it help the attorneys or the staff develop their own practices or their own um, work processes better? That's a good question. The first thing that, and by the way, we talk about remote court hearings, but remote I, as a as a litigator, depositions are the same, right? So so so. You know, and, and depositions perhaps even more so because depositions you're often traveling out of the state for to take depositions. I mean, I've I have a case where I have depositions in probably ten or twelve different states, and all mm -hmm. of that is being remote now is done is done remotely. And in a case where you've got depositions in some, you know, town four hours from an airport in in Little Rock, man, it's <laughs> so much nicer to be able to zoom into that. And frankly. It, not just in law, but really across industries, the experiences um, that I've heard a lot of my colleagues have in, in being able to just be around their families more and kind of be local more instead of doing so much business travel has been really, really nice. But I digress. Um, mm -hmm. Clients. I do think that the Zoom virtual proceedings, like I said before, do provide a benefit for the clients. I do think that there is a long-term potential to for those firms that are able to distinguish them, themselves as flexible, as technologically savvy, as more sort of well-oiled machines and those in that regard, I do think there is going to be a benefit for them as far as the bottom line goes in their ability to bring in more business. And I think that the results are going to reflect that. Um, culture is incredibly important. And I do, and I, and I also believe that this experience has pulled back the curtain a little bit on law firm culture. And what I mean by that is, if you've got a crappy law firm culture, then this remote experience will have been much more difficult and challenging, I think, for you to be able to sustain the level of work mm -hmm. um, and the quality of the work that you may have had pre-pandemic. And, and, and that's just because 
the pandemic created some opportunities for people who, um, thankfully not people in my firm, but people to avoid work, for people to, to kind of shut, shut off a little bit and to shut down a little bit and to disengage. And unfortunately, for the most part, our cases didn't stop. The obligations remain the same. And one of the things that I believe keeps people committed and engaged is strong law firm culture. So I'm, I'm quite confident that those benefits are yet to be recognized because it obviously takes a long, it's a long runway to establish that kind of a rapport and, and consistent work product that clients then see and then appreciate and pay you for. Um, but I do think that there is a benefit there for sure. Do you feel like your attorneys have been, I mean, as you said, you don't feel like anyone has been um, shutting down or shirking off work or anything. Do you feel like your attorneys have been able to uh, not only be productive, but maybe explore or expand into areas that they maybe didn't have time for or didn't have the ability to do before? Yeah. So, so, well, so, so let's kind of break it down. So right now, the way my law firm is today is effectively, we trust you, you're a professional, please get vaccinated. Uh, and, and, and there's a lot of reasons why you should get vaccinated that have nothing to do with productivity. Yes. Being a professional. Okay. So for all you folks out there who aren't vaccinated, um, <laughs> but, but it is about trust, right? It's about, it's about building that kind of a, a foundation with the, with the folks that in your office. And I think that for, for all the legal administrators out there, I think that's a, that's a key part of this and to not recognize that the experience that people have gone through over the past year and a half for many of them was very traumatic mm-hmm. and was just deeply personal. You know, you don't know what people have gone through. You don't know what things at home have been like. And this has been a real sort of, it's rattled a lot of cages. So I think that it's very hard to make sweeping proclamations about what's the best way to go back to work, because I think that that's, a, that's going to change on an individualized basis, which is one of the reasons why like three months ago, I called up every person in the firm and I said, every person, every administrator, every paralegal, every lawyer. And I said, what do you want to do? And the vast majority of people said, I want to come back to the office four days a week and I'll work from home the fifth day, three days a week, work from home two days. And some people said, I want to be in the office six days a week. I got, I got to go get the hell out of my house, <laughs> um, which, you know, of course, some folks can understand as well. So do we have more time now that we are work that perhaps people are working a little bit more flexibly. Sure. I think so, because you're not commuting. I also, like I said, I think that there's been some efficiencies that have been recognized through court hearings and, and, and depositions by cutting out a lot of travel time there. So I do think there's more time to focus, but I also think there's a lot less downtime in some ways. Right. Mm -hmm. So there are things about going to a, courtroom that give you an opportunity to just sit and think without running from task to task to task. And now when I don't have that 15 minute drive in my car in the morning anymore, right? I don't have that. uh, I mean, I do because I've been coming to the office, but some people have lost that, right? Some people have lost those moments of just sort of solitude where you can just be, you know, instead it's like, wake up, go to your desk, which is next to your bedroom, turn on your computer and start your work. So I, I do think some of that's been stripped away as well. That's true for sure. So as we, you touched on this earlier, um, that obviously I think 
probably everyone enjoys not having to, you know, travel 12 hours to get to a a single deposition. Um, So we've seen reports that at least some of the court activities will continue to be virtual. I think I just saw something that some New York court system is is definitely going to do at least some things virtually. And even if there hasn't been a definite answer for that, at least we know that many of the people involved want them to stay online um, rather than in person. So your firm was able to work in that that situation, that unprecedented situation, and 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 continue to have a positive output through that. Do you think that this is going to be the new business as usual? Do you think that you'll be able to continue to to work positively in that that setting, or are you are you a little bit concerned about it? Um, I think, and I've heard that the judges down here have also agreed to keep the shorter motions remote. So I do expect that to continue down here as well. You know, if you'd asked me two years ago to take an important deposition over Zoom, I would have said, no way. I'm getting on that plane, I'm getting in that rental car, and I'm going to that deposition in person. I still think that there are benefits to being in person when you take a deposition. But I also believe that we are now better informed as to what truly is that cost-benefit analysis because we've all taken remote depositions now. We've all done mediations that have been remote as well. And mediations is another example of where some people swear that it needs to be in person. And then you talk to any mediator and they say, no, our success rate is just as high now mediating cases remotely than it was pre-pandemic. So I think that some things will continue to remain remote. And I think that because we're lawyers and we're creatures of habit, and we also don't tend to be the greatest innovators in the world. Uh, I, I would expect that we're going to revert back in large part to in-person mediations, in-person depositions. The problem with, with mediations and depositions, especially in an adversarial environment, is that you can't have one side attend in person and one side appear remotely. Because then you're, you're, there's, you feel as if that you're giving up some kind of an advantage. So it's not so much that I'm the problem. It's opposing counsel that's going to be the problem, but that's usually the case. So, uh, so I do think it's going to continue in some respects, but I, 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 I do think we're also going to revert back in many, in many ways to where we were. You just referred to adversarial conditions. Um, you're involved primarily in commercial litigation and arbitration, which I think is, it, it, as you said, can sometimes lend itself a little better to, to virtual court proceedings. But I know I, I've been reading that there are other practice areas, particularly like um, things that might be pr- uh, maybe benefit from like an emotional environment, um, pr- like criminal defense or, or immigration, that are pretty r- wary of any trending towards Zoom courtrooms or anything like that. Or I, I would assume anything with a jury trial would be be uncomfortable with a Zoom courtroom. Do you have any thoughts about how management professionals at these type of firms can navigate you know, the uncertainty around how this is going to pan out. So, so first, with respect to areas like criminal defense and immigration, I, I agree that that is a more fraught analysis for a couple of reasons. First, you've got access issues. You've got um, people in order to appear remotely, you've got to have a great internet connection. You've got to have a great device. You've got to have, you know, a quiet place to go. And sometimes that's very hard for for folks that aren't as fortunate as we are. So so that's something that always has to be considered. In some ways, uh, this remote stuff provides greater access, but in some ways it turns people away. So that is something we need to remain mindful of. 
As far as management professionals, uh, not just those firms, frankly, but but firms like mine as well, and and how to navigate the uncertain waters ahead, because there there is going to be a lot of uncertainty, and I think there's a few a few components to 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 think about. Number one is, as I said before, this was a personal experience that people went through, and has to be recognized and addressed that way. I don't. I think that some of these law firms, and and look, sometimes it's very hard when you're dealing with a giant business where you've got hundreds and hundreds of people um, to make these sort of sweeping proclamations about how things are going to be going forward. Um, I think you have to be very careful about that. I, I think we have to remember that we're all human beings here, doing the best that we can, and we need to be a little bit empathetic. I think to some of the experiences that some of our colleagues have been through. That's piece of advice number one. Piece of advice number two is that I believe quite strongly that neither pure remote nor pure in person is the solution. I believe that there's advantages to being in person that need to be recognized and addressed, and I think maximized. And I think that there's advantages to being remote. The same same things apply. So what I mean by that is, if I'm a law firm administrator and I've got folks coming into the office on sort of a semi regular basis, or I have people coming in, let's say you know three days a week, uh, or particular hours are staggering, you've got to I think be a little bit more cognizant about forcing in person engagement and collaboration when those people are together. We're not going to be together as often as we once were. I think that's going to to continue to to be a, a little bit different than than the way it used to be. So I do think we need to take greater advantage of those opportunities. I also think we need to be very aware of burnout. You know, this has been stressful. This has been stressful. And like I said before, I think that the amount of downtime that we've given ourselves the opportunity to have has has diminished. So I do think that we need to be a little bit more aware of not burning our people out. And then the last piece of advice on navigating the uncertain road is just be flexible. I mean, just recognize that there are things that that two years ago we were saying there's no way in hell that we could ever allow X, Y, and Z. And you want to know something? We allowed it, and the wheels didn't come off, and you know we we managed to still get our jobs done, be profitable. When I hear all these law firm leaders talking about how we haven't seen any drop in productivity and everything's great, you know, since COVID. And, and in fact, we're even more profitable than we ever were. And everybody's working remotely and it's been a seamless transition. I hear that a lot. And then I hear them now saying, everybody back to work in person, no excuses. It's mm-hmm. like, well, why? I mean, and if you can't answer that why question, then you know, I think you need to ask yourself whether what you're doing is in the best interest of your people. Yeah, that I, I literally heard the a very similar expression from from one of the uh, consultants that that we have as members that you need to answer the why of why are, why do I want this to happen and why this person and why now? Yes, and that's going to be different for different kinds of law firms and different kinds of businesses. You know, the answer the answer to why is going to be different, but it should be clearly articulated, and you have to try to explain to your people why you want them in person or why a particular arrangement is the right arrangement for them. Mm-hmm. Again, you you now have given us a lot of advice. Um, <laughs> do you have anything else to add for um, 
you know, seizing opportunities, trying to become resilient and trying to either preserve the performance of your firm on the business administrative uh, lawyering side or improve it? Like, is, do you have any more advice for that? I'm going to circle back to culture on that. Law firms take for granted culture. It, it, I see it constantly. They either pretend like they have a culture, but really don't, or they just ignore it altogether. Legal administrators play a huge role in the development of law firm culture. And I think the other big mistake that lawyers make is excluding the legal administrators um, from sort of the, the cultural discussion. The, the, the firms that I think have sort of that have risen through this experience mm-hmm. are those that have been able to stick to their articulation of what they believe their culture is through it. And when you've got that common thread that, that goes through the mindset of every single one of your people, it makes the sort of trauma of what happened, it, it, it holds people together. It's a little bit of the tie that binds, right? Mm-hmm. So one of our cornerstones um, at our firm is, is practicing with integrity to our clients, to each other, and to ourselves. Each of those means something. Practicing with integrity to your client means something. Practicing with integrity to your colleagues means something. And practicing with integrity to yourself means something. And that was something that we were able to pretty consistently fall back on when we asked ourselves over the past year, year and a half, what's the right thing to do here? What should we do here? How should we behave? If you've got those cultural touchstones to fall back on, it becomes sometimes a lot easier to answer those kinds of questions that otherwise might be difficult or challenging to answer. I would encourage um, your subscribers to think about what is their cultural touchstone of their firm where they work, um, because often and that does provide a valuable roadmap in how to address some of these thornier questions. Thanks so much for talking to me, Aton. It's It was really my pleasure. It was really nice talking to you as well. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And if you like the show, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. As always, you can learn more about ALA at alanet.org. Until next time.